Hi, this is Pastor Tim Crick, and you are listening to the weekly sermon podcast of Holy Trinity Evangelical Lutheran Church in Newington, New Hampshire, a part of the ELCA, Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. You can find us online at www.htelc.com. We worship on Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 11 a.m., where you are never too late and there is always room for one more. We hope you can join us sometime, and we hope you find the sermon you're about to listen to helps you to understand and experience the depths of God's love for you and the entire world. Thanks for listening. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the first chapter, verses 29 through 42. John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him and declared, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks ahead of me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but I came baptizing with water for this reason, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John testified, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. The next day John again was standing with two of his disciples, and as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, Look, here is the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah which is translated anointed. He brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You are to be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. If you remember last week, which I'll be impressed if you do, um, because I don't often remember what I say week to week sometimes, I used a quote from a book, Holy Envy, Finding God in the Faith of Others by Barbara Brown Taylor, and in it she actually quotes somebody else, Robert Farrar Capon, who talks about humans trying to understand God. You remember the quote I'm talking about if you were here? Maybe I'll refresh it for you. Uh, Capon says, humans trying to understand God are essentially oysters lying in the bottom of a tide pool trying to understand the ways of a prima ballerina, right? There's just this huge gap that inevitably be... It's not even that we're going to get things wrong, though we will. It's almost at times beyond, beyond our comprehension that the best we can do is try to understand, but always come at it humbly and that there will be some things that maybe just don't make perfect sense, but we trust that what God says is true. And so I talked about that last week about baptism and how does pouring water over somebody's head, right, convey the love of God. I bring that up again today because we're going to tackle a more difficult or more complex issue, 
in which there is more discrepancy over how it actually works, and that is, why did Jesus Christ die on the cross? We're going to talk about what scholars talk about atonement theory. How does Jesus atone for our sins by dying on the cross? There is no one consensus about it. You can go to different churches and have different theories or theologies on the, on the theology of atonement. Um, but I want to talk about some that might be helpful and more importantly, potentially, some that I believe are hurtful. And how do we get out of that line of thinking to enter into a new way of thinking? Has anybody ever had to re forget what you know about something to relearn or to learn something new? You have to forget the old to learn the new. Anybody, that ever happened to anybody? What are some ways, what did you have to forget? Someone brought it, that was the first example uh, with computers from first service. They said going from a Mac to a PC. And someone goes, going to a PC to a Mac, right? <laughs> Renew that old debate. But you learned one way, but in order to learn a different way, you had to forget what you once knew. Uh, seminary, you have to take uh, uh, the biblical languages, uh, Greek and Hebrew. Greek I could do okay with. Our alphabet is rooted in the Greek. Maybe different symbols, but a lot of the same alphabet that might be used. Hebrew is totally different. Right? You open up a book. Normally you open up a book this way, right? You open them up and you're going left to right. Hebrew, this way, open up that way, and it's going right to left. Let alone, it's a, it's a different alphabet in which it doesn't have vowels. And so vowels came in later as just a pointing system to let you know how things are pronounced or what it might be. I was lost, right? Because the alphabet that I knew did not help me at all. And I really struggled. And in fact, I only took grades pass-fail uh, in seminary because I didn't have plans. I don't have plans. Depends if Vicky's present. Do I say didn't or don't? <laughs> to go on for a doctorate or anything like that, right? So because no plans are going for a doctor, I can do pass-fail. But anyways, here's the grade I got in my Hebrew on the final paper. This is barely, 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 barely passing. <laughs> the only word I cared about was what? Passing. That's right. But it was, I really struggled with it because what I knew wasn't helpful for what I was learning. I bring that up because what we believe about what Christ did on the cross, this theology of atonement, I think many of us, and I don't know where you are at, so I'm making assumptions. I'm going to talk about what maybe many people believe about what Christians think about what Christ did on the cross, how Christ atoned for our sins. A common way of thinking is actually detrimental and hurtful to our lives in the world. And we need to forget that in order to have a new or a better understanding of what Christ did on the cross. Are you tracking with me so far? So here's what I think is a common misperception or a common misunderstanding of what Christ did. Anybody ever sinned before in their life? In the last minute. <laughs> We've done wrong. We've sinned, we've angered God, so now someone has to pay our price. Can you pay the price for your sin? 
So who pays our price? So Christ goes up on the cross because God's angry with us, but we can't take the punishment, so who takes the punishment for us? God has this wrath, so to speak, that needs to be satisfied, this anger that can only be taken care of by this violent nature and has to come out on cross, come out on Christ on the cross. And through God satisfying that wrath, we are forgiven. Has anybody kind of heard that thought process before or thought it yourself? And it's okay if you have. That is what might be commonly called satisfaction atonement theory. God's wrath has to be satisfied. Somebody's done something wrong. God needs to punish somebody. We can't take that punishment. Christ does it in be- on our behalf. As Lutherans, that is not what we believe. That is God using violent means to bring about peace. Does that sound like God or does that sound like humans? God comes to turn us from our ways to show us a new way of operating, a new way of being. God at God's core, we say, is not angry, but is love. That informs what we believe about what Christ did on the cross. God isn't satisfying a wrath, but instead God is taking our wrath, (laughs) our anger, our evil, our violence, and is opposing it. One of the interesting things about Jesus, he never operates within the dominant oppressive system of the day, does he? In fact, it's because of that that he gets hung on, that we put him on the cross, Because he's not playing our game. Not doing what we want and instead is doing something else. We want violence to bring about peace. That was the whole point of Rome, the Pax Romana, the peace of Rome. You disagree with us, you're not going to survive. The whole point of the cross was we're going to show a slow, public, humiliating death the addiction to go along with us. Christ uses what we do to defeat that and to say that is not the life that we hope for. It's not a sacrifice to appease an angry God, but it's taking what we have done and showing us a new way. Tomorrow is a holiday, national holiday. What is tomorrow's day? What are we celebrating? I love this quote. If you're on Facebook, any kind of social media, you'll probably see a lot of memes uh, with some kind of image of MLK, right? Martin Luther King Jr. with one of his quotes that go along with it. I love this one. I think it really illustrates that point. You've probably heard it before. You might have heard it before. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. If we believe God is an angry God that is using violence to bring about peace, what does that give us permission to do? 
that doesn't happen in our world today, does it? What if we have a different understanding of who God is? What is opposed to understanding of thinking, of hoping to believe? I think we like to believe that because it justifies our ways. What if we believe God at God's core is love, mercy, compassion, forgiveness, grace, and that is the way God operates. What does that mean for the way that we need to operate? Love, compassion, empathy, grace. Does the world need more violence? Do you need more violence? What do you need? Right? That's the story we come to hear. That's the story we come to participate in. That's the story we come to proclaim. That is the story we come to live or to embody. To look at the cross and not see what God has done, but to see what we do. Right? And then what God does with that, I was having a conversation on Facebook with a friend about this, and I like, I'm, like what he said. God uses our mis, misguided, peacekeeping, crucifying ways of Jesus to save us from our, from our crucifying ways. Right? Through Christ, we are saved from those ways. God defeats it by not using it. By think, letting it think that this is the ultimate way of winning. And then it turns out it's not. Love, hope, peace, compassion, mercy, and forgiveness. May you experience that in your life today, tomorrow, and every day that is to come. Amen. That's the sermon for this week. We hope from it you learned a bit more about God's love for you and the world. Please subscribe and rate our podcast to help us be found by and reach more people. Thanks for listening, and don't forget, you are loved.